You're listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast with Romza. The world is currently in a state of rebirth. All of the systems we have inherited are collapsing and failing us as a species. It's time for us to come together and create something out of nothing. If you crave deeper purpose, unshakable strength, and a life aligned with your truth, this is for you. This is for you if you are curious and not afraid to ask questions. This podcast is for those searching for their purpose and those ready to step into their full potential. For lovers of truth and those ready for masculine medicine, this podcast is an adventure that gives voice to a journey of healing, discovery, and embodiment. We'll challenge the old narratives we inherited and forge a new path. Join us in this fearless exploration of the multiple dimensions of being human, breathwork, mindset, healing the body, detox, and how to use the gentle way of jujitsu to make you unstoppable in your wellness, business, life, relationships, and more. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Hey guys, welcome back to Our Deepest Fear podcast with your host, Romza. And today I'm here with a very special guest. You might have seen him on YouTube, on Facebook. I mean, his videos have been shared millions of times and he's a very interesting human being. He was born in the Netherlands with severe asthma and severe eczema, which is a skin disease. And when he was growing up, he was bullied on a daily basis. So he had to learn how to fight. Through that journey, he became a second-degree Taekwondo black belt, a second-degree karate black belt, a fifth-degree Kyushoken uh, karate black belt. And then he started mixed martial arts in Japan in some of the most interesting-looking fights in a ring where you can fall out. And he became a three-time undefeated world champion. Then he came to L.A. and he started fighting in the UFC in 1998 and became the first European UFC champion. He wrapped up his career with a 22-fight unbeaten streak, and he was inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame in 2015. He's a TV star. He's done a lot of cool stuff. He was co-starred in the movie Here Comes the Boom with Kevin James. You might have seen him in Grand Theft Auto 4, where he had his own show. And he trains the military, trains the Marines, elite special forces, SEALs, law enforcement, SWAT, Homeland Security, And he's running a big anti-bullying campaign because, well, we need it in our world right now. He's an author, he's a sports commentator, and he's a coach. Guys, let's welcome Mr. El Guapo. 
Bass Rutan. Oh, man, if you if you put it like that, that's 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 a long list. Bro, I fucking love it. <laughs> you're you're like you're like the um the Leonardo da Vinci of pain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm I I can receive pain as well. Some people they always think if you're a professional fighter, you don't feel pain. I had this guy one time. I picked up my daughter from school, and I'm talking to somebody, and this guy is leaning against the wall, and he's constantly staring me down. And I'm and, and it became very uncomfortable. So suddenly I look at him. I said, "Do we have a problem here?" And he walks over to me. and said, "Oh no, no, no!" I say, uh, "Can I can I hit you in the back?" And I go, "Excuse me." And he goes, "No, kick you in the thigh." I go, "That's the weirdest thing." I said, "Why would you want to do that? You, you guys don't feel pain, right?" <laughs> I go, "Are you serious? Of course we feel pain." It was a very wow. weird thing, but uh, of course I declined. I let didn't let him hit my pack. Who says that? Well, can I hit your pack? Fuck. <laughs> romantic desires tend to play out in different ways right <laughs> you are el guapo bro <laughs> yeah. that's very true there's weird people out there where where you grew up in the netherlands i grew up in the south of the netherlands so very close to the belgian border i used to live like five miles away from the belgian border close to the german border so uh, you know we have the germans over we have the belgians over so it's easy for us to speak multiple languages because you know that's how you interact there yeah, I mean, I, I remember I was hanging out with Wim uh, in Spain, and he speaks like 12 languages. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. That was like my first exposure to uh, Dutch people. I was like, <laughs> you guys are very, very interesting humans. We, we are interesting. That's what they for sure. It's just like there, there's you could hear it in the voice. There's like a different like uh, pitch, like energy, vibration in the voice. It's like it's like this crazy like I, I don't know, man. It just it just feels different. Like I remember I was hanging out like with Wim. I mean, he's he's he kind of like he's kind of like very well rounded in that way too. Um, where he does a lot of I guess weird stuff. And man, his voice is very similar to yours. It's got like that crazy like excited like showman, but also like grounded it's yeah we're doing good the dutch do good we did a lot uh, we invented a lot of stuff for people don't realize like cd player all that stuff recording it all became dvd rom they became software you know it all comes from phillips you know these guys great boat builders bridge builders you know the rotation door i always talk about that you have people go oh that's a stupid event. that's actually a very important invention because you know otherwise buildings will collapse so uh, yeah and then of course we have the phillips they have the chocolate right and we were the first for uh, the country to legalize weed Legalized weed. Yes. And mushrooms. <laughs> it's such a, what an unbelievable country. <laughs> and, 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 and only now it's happening in California, Oregon, Colorado. Like, like, I mean, real, real pioneers in a lot of ways. So that, I mean, that's kind of like your story as well. Um, it's like a pioneer story as you became like the first European champion in the UFC. So when you were growing up in the Netherlands, you were bullied. What what was that like? Like, what was your like? When did you realize, okay, like I can actually do something about it? Well, it was constantly with groups, you know. I think saying to you uh, is always worse than like a beating, you know. But they wouldn't do that. They would push me around, but never really hitting. But always talking, talking. Hey, leper! I was the leper in school, a leper in town, you know. So, twelve years old, I watched a movie in France. We sneaked in. It was a Bruce Lee movie, and that was it. I uh, I saw Bruce Lee, who was a little guy, and I realized if I would be like that guy, I could beat my bullies up. And then I, I asked my parents. It took me two years to convince them, and finally, 
they allowed and bada bing bada boom i started trading taekwondo with the adults some uh, cool guy next he was dating my uh, my neighbor girl she was a really beautiful girl and it was the coolest guy in town and he took me on his wing and we started trading taekwondo with the adults and in months i started beating the adults so then i overheard these guys talk about me in the dressing room you know did you see that little kid boss man he dropped so and so and everybody was laughing man that kid is good you know and as a kid if you don't really only hear bad things and suddenly you start hearing positive stuff about you, you know, you get a little confidence and that led into the fight with the biggest bully in my school. Uh, eight of these guys, I think it's seven in total, him and six friends or something on bicycles. You know, everybody rides a bicycle in Holland and they were passing me, hey leper, whatever they shouted, watch out your ears don't fall off or your feet don't fall off. Always something, at this time I shouted something back and I heard him laugh and I looked back and sure enough, they made a U-turn and they started to chase me. So I told myself, I'm not gonna do it anymore. So I put the bike on the stand and I was just waiting for them. And they surrounded me, like in the movies, you know, with, with cars, but they, they were like bikes during the day. And then Shaki was his name. He came to me and he stopped bumping his chest against my chest and challenging me to hit him. So I did. And, uh, and that was it. That's when I found out that police not really that tough, you know, because it was one punch. Guy was out, out cold, nose was flat on his face, though. So that was a problem because normally in Holland, the police, they don't do anything. But once something is broke, you have to go to the doctor, of course. You know, now the police was uh, involved. So they showed up at my mom and dad's doorstep. In defense of my mom and dad, I always say, they didn't know they were I was bullied. I mean, like every night she would mummify me. I mean, we had the whole family sending bed sheets that they would rip up to bandages for eczema, for the creams and on my arms. I would rip that off from the itching in the middle of the night, had to do it again. You know, so she was very, very busy with me. So I didn't want to be an extra burden and tell them that I was bullied on top of it. Incredible. From, I mean, from Leper to El Guapo and Crazy. UFC champion. What a blessing. Because, like, you wouldn't have became the UFC champion if you weren't that. Yeah. No, no I, did you listen, I did, I did an, um, a reunion, and I was on TV in Holland. They found me, and they wanted to do a reunion with me. It was actually one of the highest-watched shows. That, you have to understand it was, uh, I had 33... 3.3 uh, million people were watching. At the time, it's 15 million people. There will be like 60 million people watching here in America. I mean, it was, it was what if five people saw it? And the bullish didn't show up. And I go, and what I thought of it, I said, dude, I wanted to thank these guys because they gave me this beautiful life that I'm having right now. Because if they weren't there, I don't know what I would have done. So how, how old were you when you started training Taekwondo? Uh, 14. Uh, then, of course, uh, three months later, I knocked the guy out, so they took me off. And then at 20, I believe, I mo moved out of the house. And that's immediately I started going back uh, to karate, uh, some form of karate. Six months later, I started Thai boxing because I wanted to fight full contact, start competing in Thai boxing. And it's just slowly but surely everything started growing. So what was, what was that like in the first years of, I guess, what you would call organized MMA? Like, what, what was that experience like for you? You know, you have to, I didn't know anything about it. You know, we, it was called free fighting and it was a lot of stuff that you could do. And so only some, some stuff you couldn't. I didn't know the rounds. I didn't know there were no weight classes. I all found that out on the day of the fight. Well, the day before I was hot that it was the weigh in, but I figured out ah, Japanese people, they're known to be very honest. So he will be, since I'm fighting a Japanese guy, he'll probably be my weight. <laughs> at, the, at the event, this tall guy walks to me like six, three. And he shakes my hand. I said, hey, how are you doing? He said, very nice meeting. I said, you're the promoter. He goes, no, I'm fighting you today. I said, oh, wow. I said, what's your weight? He goes, 235. I go, 235. Yeah, he said, what are you? I go, 197. And then the promoter walked up, and I'm like looking at my manager. I go, 
you know, that's 38 pounds there. Uh, and uh, I said, oh, you're the poet here. I said, is he not too heavy? And he said, no, 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 Mr. Wood, we don't have fight uh, with weight classes. Everybody fights each other. I said, okay, great. You know, so I tried to bluff and force a smile. And then uh, just before he walked away, I asked how many rounds we were fighting. And he goes, one. And I'm all happy until he said it was a 30-minute round, you know. Uh, again, I forced a smile, of course. Uh, and I looked at my manager and said, dude, what, what, what are we doing here? This is going to be crazy. But I think that... It helped me in every aspect of my fighting. Like for instance, when I was a, a, a Thai boxer, I was a very aggressive Thai boxer. You know, not I very good in training, and but under uh, under pressure with all the people, and I could not really. I was just blasting, and because of my power, I just knocked people out. But you know, against pros, I would have a problem. You know, because all these people say, "Oh, he was such a great striker from home." No, no, no. The great striking came once I came to Japan, and I think me knowing that I had to go thirty minutes. I put these big R's on my hands, which stand for rustic, means relaxed, calm down, calm down. And my corner, I, I met my manager in the corner. I never had a coach. I trained myself. So the, if, so, if somebody would hit me, the only thing you hear from them is stay calm, stay calm, breathe, because they know I'm a hothead. And if I unload for the first two minutes and I can't put the guy away, I got 28 more minutes to go. You see what I mean? So I think that combined with the audience, you, it's such a weird thing if you fight in Japan. Like nobody says a word. It is, you, you can be in the 30th row and you can speak to me like you're speaking right now. I can hear everything you're saying in the ring. That's how quiet it is, complete silence. Only when somebody gets hit, the people go, oh, and it's quiet again. You know, and I think that because the people there understand that you are actually a professional fighter, so you probably know better than them, right? So they don't have to shout instructions to you. They should just sit out there. And that 30 minutes that made me very, you know, reserve my power, so to say. And that's what I suddenly, I mean, from the bell on, bong, bell went. Man, if you see pictures from me in Thai boxing, every single picture when I hit somebody in my face, they're like, ah, you know, I've just killed a guy. And in Japan, it was, you know, there was no facial expressions anymore. I go, what the heck is going on? I heard everything. I heard my corner, I heard the English guys, the American guys talking in the first row. I, I was so in the zone. And that's when I changed the whole thing. That's when I became the Thai boxer that I was in the gym. You know, and, and that that was, I know I was a good Thai boxer because I trained with the really good guys. So uh, that's when it came out. But my Thai boxing in Holland, I always say, I, I, it didn't look that great. And yeah, I knocked him out, but that's it. Just because power, that's it. Yeah, you weren't flowing yet. It no. Sounds, it sounds like you started to flow. Like you found like that middle ground between fight or flight, which is necessary a hundred percent, but also like relaxing. It's everything. It's really everything. It's how the more calm you are, the better it is. You know, I won fights because I, I heard the, the instructions from the corner. My Kosaka fight. I want to give him a right straight, a uh, right high kick. And uh, Maurice Smith is in his corner. He was a really great Thai boxer. I actually fought him twice as well. And just before I wanted to throw the high kick, he shouted, watch out for a high kick. So immediately when he did that, I switched him since it's almost the same body mechanics for a straight. And I dropped him. And I need him in the face and I didn't want to fight. So I went to Maurice afterwards and said, sure, fault. I said, because you have boss, you're probably the only guy who listens to the other corner. And because that was always my thing. I was also speaking uh, English all the time to my Dutch corner, and they never got it. Why would I speak English? Well, I want you to understand what I'm saying. Because if I don't want you to understand, I speak Dutch to them. Why wouldn't I? You see what I mean? But I would say these weird things. I would ask, why well, we're going to the party tonight. You know, last time that bar wasn't really a success. Maybe we should go to another one. And then I will go back to the fight. This is during the fight, you know, just to mess with my opponent's head. 
Yeah. You think like, what the heck is this guy doing? Is he fighting? Is he thinking about drinking tonight? You know, yeah. I just tried to do every these little things to throw them off, you know, to get a reaction out of it. And it always worked. Yeah. Or to lull them to sleep, right? <laughs> like a non-reaction or a reaction. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because like uh, I was watching uh, one of Loma's um, buildups, not the last fight with Tiafimo, but the other guy. Uh, who we fought last. I forgot who he fought before that, but they were showing how he had like a mental coach that had him like putting together like these blocks with numbers and doing math. And Triple G does that. who? Triple G does that too. Yeah. So I do that with these blocks building, right? And then yeah. something on the wall, writing like you said, math. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw Triple G do that for the first time. I go, wow, what is that? But Concentration endurance. Yep. Because like, and, and like, and that's how you break somebody's concentration endurance. You just fuck with them. Like yep. most people, like, I mean, McG uh, McGregor fucks with people all day. He just talks and talks yep. and talks. Yeah, and Not everybody can handle that, especially not the hotheads. Yeah. The Diaz brothers, you know, it's like, get a bit ahead. You know, the, the worst thing for a fight is to lose control, to get angry. That, that's the one thing you do not want to do. You, you need it, but it's controlled. You need to control anger. And most of the time when you piss talk somebody off, Instead of punching from here, they're going to load up. You know, now they're telegraphing, you see? So they open up for you. So that's the reason why those guys are, why those guys are doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredible emotional control. Um, and I mean, it's, it's Sun Tzu, right? Like, know yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Win every course. battle. Yeah. So now, what do you, you, are you coaching now? Do you still have an academy? I still have an academy. I do coach. I teach uh, twice a week and then I do the fight class once the fights are opening up again. For the, for the fighters we have, we, we don't focus really on fighting uh, or professional fighters. I think we have four and then a bunch, like eight or ten amateurs and then for the rest we have like 350 students. So we focus on that. It's also real different with us. I want a lot of profanity. You can't walk around with no shirt and screaming and doing all that stuff. It's a very clean gym. We have kids. We have Parents come in, so uh, I it's think, a professional oh. business. It's not a fucking. <laughs> it's so stupid when you hear these people scream. I mean, can you imagine the parents come in with kids and these fighters are screaming? Yeah, please have that. You know, I got. Uh, it's not really going to work. So you know, it it, it uh, it's a great job because everybody's coming. We have saunas, we have weights, we have nice rooms where we can train in, like a cage. We, yeah, it's a very clean and beautiful gym. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that was a big shift for me when I had my academy in New York was to stop focusing on fighters because they're, they were all like divas. They have all these like special requirements. They don't pay. Uh, they expect like special services. And then you get children who stick around for 15, 20 years yeah. and, uh, and they pay, they, the parents pay more because there's nobody offering incredible services for children. Yeah. And yeah, you you wind up wanting to put together a really professional environment because yeah. kids deserve it. Kids deserve it. Yeah, a lot of these fighters, there's what you said, a lot of complaining and they go, dude, just fight. You know, but he makes this money. Well, why don't you just fight and win? What about that? You know, I, I remember I was fighting in Japan and I brought a fighter with me. Uh, it was an older guy already and he lost his first, lost his second, and third fight. And he's constantly asking for more money. And I go, dude, why would you do that? You're embarrassing yourself. You know, win, win a freaking fight. They're going to force you, you force them to make more money. That's how it goes. They're going to give you more because you're losing. I mean, you get it backwards. You know, I can understand people like that. Yeah, but I need more for, but then don't take the fight. If you don't like it, don't do it. You know, when you say yes to a fight, don't complain. You just said yes. You only have leverage when you're winning. <laughs> it's always like that. A lot of leverage. Yeah. I got, I got all the, the rights for my fights even because they really needed me. I go, that's good. I will fight again for you. But 
I need all the rights all to, to all my fights. What was it like to retire? It was hard. It was the Lord who, who, who made me do it, which at the time I hated it, but it was because of injuries. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with it now that it happened because I know I'm a knucklehead. I know that if I'm 50 years old, I still think I can beat people and I'm going to lose. I mean, let's be freaking honest. You know, you, you fight a guy's half your age. You can trade two, three, three times a day full blast, which you can't anymore. You know, you have to really dose your trade, your workouts. So eventually they start pushing and instead of five pound fight, yeah, you're going to be in trouble with a guy like that. So, you know, thankfully I got the injuries. Because now I wrapped up, like you said, with a 22 fight on beaten streak, which is a very great way to leave the sport. But I'm not going to say that it was easy. It was very hard for me. The training is very hard for me. Like I walk into a gym and sometimes, the last time I walked into a gym was a while ago with Michael uh, Bisbing. And he was, uh, I had to interview him and I went to his gym and he was sparring. And, uh, you know, that's the moment I go, oh, shit, I really miss that. You know, I would love to do that again. Or rolling submissions. I mean, the... The endless combinations that you have with submissions, it's so bizarre. I mean, it's so much bigger. I, in the beginning, I hated submissions because they beat me with it. But then once I forced myself to learn it, I became obsessed with it because that's when I saw the power. I go, dude, this is way worse than any striker. I mean, I can dislocate or any, any joint in your body and any, I can break any bone in your body, whatever. What. That's a big power to have as a fighter, you know? So. Yeah, we all believe, you remember the beginning of the UFC, oh, look at this. Oh. I said to Frank Shamrock one time in a fight, uh, I shot at him and he, he sprawled, he laid on his back and he invited me to go to the ground. And I, I told him, I said, stand up, fight like a man. That's what I said. I, every day, when I, every time when I see that clip, I go, I was such an idiot. You know, I thought that was not manly, but trust me, it's very manly. Yeah, I mean, I, I started training in Thai boxing when I was 11. Uh, I was also bullied in Brooklyn. There was nobody like me when I was growing up. I'm from Chechnya. So we didn't have anybody from Chechnya in Brooklyn, you know, and I was like a small little Jewish kid from Chechnya in Brooklyn and they were bullying me. So I went to Thai boxing when I was 11 and then nobody bullied me anymore. You know, but after that, like when I found jujitsu when I was 20, it changed everything because I was like, oh my God, like I don't have to be the strongest, the fastest. I just, if I know more in this position than you do, you could be as strong as you want and I can wait, I'll win. Yeah, just one mistake. That's enough. You got him. You don't need to be eight moves ahead. Just one. That's why I tell women always, you know, it's so important for women especially because like the rate position I always talk about is actually a position you can do the most from, <laughs> you know, yeah. in your guard. So uh, it will be really good for any woman to do that. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like the smaller you are, the more you need jujitsu. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> For sure. So are, are you training now? Are you doing any, like uh, any rolling or training now or not really? No, I do conditioning. I do uh, I have this power training routine that I do uh, punching on the cables and I do reverse that also. So I punch straight punches and then I, I pull also. I do it with body shots, I do it with uppercuts, that the whole thing I do four or five times. We try to repetitions each set. So I, I do a lot in a very short amount of time, 35 minutes. Then on conditioning, I either use that body action system that I have and do 10 rounds of boxing on that as hard as I can, or I just kick it back. I make very simple one minute rounds with one minute rest. People always go like, oh, one minute rounds and say, you don't do it like me. <laughs> Trust me, it's a whole different animal. That's how I prepared when I was a professional fighter. you know. And of course, the minute doesn't stay a minute. 
because you know if you're 10 weeks out before a fight every week you add five seconds and you take five seconds away from your rest so then after like eight weeks i believe you're at 15 rounds of one and a half minute with only a 30 second break now this one and a half minute is berserk as you go as hard as you can and you know, people go yeah it's other one and a half minutes look at any boxing match every tie boxing match every mma match if a guy unloads on a fighter for 20 30 seconds and he can't put him away he's out of gas that's 30 seconds max i do one and a half minute rounds 15 times then full blast so you put your body in such a state it's just used to it you know and you're used to to recoup in the 30 seconds again you know so if they don't go down well you're going to recoup fast again just play them up a little bit and then you go so that's what i like to do still do i like to get really tired i always uh found getting tired to some kind of a high for me you know and which i hate it and again i trick my own body into just loving it i was just every time when i was really tired and i started and i think also my asthma I had severe asthma. I was breathing wrong. I was breathing using my shoulders. So my breathing simply couldn't keep up anywhere with the body. It was never that my muscles got tired. It was always my breathing couldn't keep up. And now, yeah, especially with those who train, I think now I'm forcing my core. If I come out of a round full blast, I'm literally like this. And every time I go, dude, this is so sick. I mean, I never had that when I was competing. So it's completely different now. Do you do you sometimes look back and you're like, man, I wish I had uh, like more education on breathing or like more yeah. education? Yeah, right. Hundred percent because it's it's so much different. I do it once or twice a week, stamina now, and I almost will say it's better than when I was fighting. It's just bizarre. You know, I'm just flying through my workouts. It's just insane. You know, so uh, I know it's from the breathing. I actually put it on, on the Facebook page that we have. I put a, a, a clip of me when I was fighting in 1996. I was uh, defending. And you see me in the corner go, <gasps> I'm literally breathing like this. I go, wow, that is completely gone. I don't have that anymore. So it's a big difference. I can only imagine what I could, what I could have done when I was still competing. Thankfully, it worked out. But still, you know, it's always good. There's no such thing, and I say this to every fighter and every endurance athlete, there's no such thing as having enough stamina. You can always get more. That's what I say. Yeah, for sure. If it's not just stamina and offense, it could just be stamina and defense because life is sometimes going to whoop that ass. <laughs> you know, and, and the more stamina that we go with, the, with keeping the mind clear, you know, like they, what they do with the boulder building blocks, uh, what we were just talking about, Triple G and the, <clears throat> the other guy, is what I do this with crazy combinations. I make, I make my, my students very tired, and at the end, I'm going to be doing very complicated uh routines that we're doing which will force them to focus and if they don't they mess it up right away you know and sometimes i flip it around of course i let them fresh start doing it most of the time i do that so they learn it but then you know do it when you're very tired it's very hard because your mind everything is slowing down so you force them to do it correctly and that's going to help them in a the fight yeah for sure like upgrading their hardware and their software yeah. in a lot of ways so what is um all right so one thing that's very different, very different about you than a lot of fighters from your era is that you branded yourself really well. Like you became a brand. Uh, you became, you're a businessman, you're a coach, you're a movie star. What was the mindset going into it? It's almost, you're almost like a Arnold Schwarzenegger from that era, but like MMA, like you pick that. What was the mindset going into the rest of life 
Does that make sense? Does the question make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, it is. It's but it, I treat everything the same. I'm a, not a movie star, by the way. That's what's the thing. <laughs> I always tell people once I make my money solely with movies, okay, I can't say that. At least I'm a professional actor, you know, but I cannot say uh, anything else. Um, I, I I treat everything the same. And and but but I have to say again, my diseases help me with that. Like for instance, when I had an asthma attack, we'll be eight days in bed, not able to eat because you could breathe. You know, people who, who cough and say, "Why oh, I have asthma?" You, I, I laugh at these people. You have no clue. <laughs> Do that eight days straight, twenty-four hours a day. And now try to eat. Try to drink water when you're like that. It's almost impossible. It's very hard to do. So if I had to go to the restroom and the restroom was one flight of stairs down. Well, dude, that that's that's a 45 minute hour journey. You know, I can go on the stairs, three steps down, sit down, <laughs> recoup from the three steps, slide down every time, slide one down. That's easy. Now we got to go back up afterwards. Good luck with that. You know, that's get a little step at the step. But, you know, it was building like if I needed something, I just did it because that's I was I was programmed like that. I need to go to the restaurant. Well, there's no other way to do it just to do it because I'm scared. All right, I got to do it in bed. You know, so that forced me. And, and somehow that attitude I always kept with everything and always a happy attitude as well. How can you be happy like that? Or how can I be happy? Because that eight days that I had, I know people that spread 65 days a year have that. They have to go to Sweden or to, or to Switzerland or to the Alps or somewhere high in the mountains to clear their lungs because they have this all day long, every day. You know, that eczema I had very prominent on my hands and I got on my face and my ears and stuff like that. I know there's people out there who are covered from head to toe. So she compared to those guys, it wasn't really that bad. That's how I always handled with everything. You know, I, there's always somebody who has it worse than you. That's what I always said. You know, and that just helps you. And then if you just push with whatever you do, my parents also never, never treated me like I was sick. So that meant, uh, okay, they, they would on my birthday, they would give me a stereo without the speakers. You want the speakers? You're going to have to take a job to earn the speakers. And of course, I hated that at the time, you know, because all the kids would get it. But I remember like 10, 15 years ago, that was the first time I figured it out. So when I was 40 years old and I called my parents and on, on Father's Day, I said, I'm so happy that you guys did that with me because they can do anything. I never afraid of working 16 hours days and I never because I always worked. I was at two newspaper jobs, a weekly and a daily. I was a dishwasher, restocking groceries. I worked on the farm. I mean, I did a lot of work as a little kid. This was all from 12 years of age off. Yeah, so, but again, you push yourself, you focus like that. It, it applies to everything else you do in life. And whatever I tell myself to do, I'm gonna do. That's a big rule in my, in my book. So if I say today, I'm gonna to do 10 rounds on the back after a workout, I'm gonna do 10 rounds. If I do nine rounds, I cannot look at myself in the mirror brushing my teeth at night. I'm ashamed. That's how I program myself. And it really works, man, because if there's somebody I don't want to let down, it's actually me. You know, a lot of people always say, oh, you put yourself first. Yeah, I put myself 100% first. And everybody should do that. You know, yeah, but what about your family? Guess what? If it starts with you. If you're 100% good, your family will be taken care of. All those guys who fight for their families, you know, not me. I fight for me. Because once I start worrying about my family, guess what? That might influence my fights and I might lose the fight. But if I completely focus on myself and I don't give a crap what other people think about me during the fight, I'll fight at my best. And when I fight at my best, pretty sure I'm going to win. And when I win, then my family's going to be okay because we have more money. You see? So always start with yourself. Never let down the most important person in the world, which is you. That's how addiction start, how everything start. 
This morning you wake up, you're drunk. You said, today, today I'm not going to drink. And four o'clock, whatever it is, you break it. Oh, you were holding it out till four o'clock. You still broke it. Now you're weaker, actually. Weaker than you were yesterday. Because every time you give in, you become weaker, weaker. That's why you see with the alcohol, alcoholist, alcoholics, which, which I was myself as well, because I'm a very addictive personality, but I can push, 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 but I do this with everything in life, you know? It starts at six o'clock and it becomes five or four or three and suddenly you're drinking at noon. And that's when you start, okay, I have a problem. I got, I got to stop this. You see, so it works both ways. It, it can be very negative, but it can be very positive for you as well. I'm very familiar with the addictive personalities. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a very similar thing right here. In Chinese, oh. in Chinese medicine, uh, they they say that that's like a fire element. Oh, look at that. Uh, there's, it's, it's an intensity. Like it's an intensity that... Uh, that can either uh, keep warm up the food or it could burn down the world. I know, I know exactly. <laughs> I can 100%, if I give you a lollipop, you're, you're a crusher. There's no way you're going to lick the lollipop. <laughs> That's how I ask my students if they're fighters. You know, I say, do you lick the lollipop or you crush? Yeah, crush. Okay, okay. You're going to need a lot of stamina because you got the fast twitch fibers. Your mentality is go. You know, you want the full flavor right now, you know? That's, but that's 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 a personality, and and you can literally translate that into fighting. You can see it. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I was studying this thing called the Enneagram, and it talks about these archetypes. Uh, they say that there's only nine archetypes of humans, and uh, it's been used in like ancient Babylon, ancient Egypt. Um, some uh, contemplative Christian, uh, practices, use it. Um, some Buddhist practices use it. Like I look for things that are like across, uh, many different timelines and also cultures, because then it's like, okay, like there's possibly some truth here. Yep. Like, you know, like, uh, they practice Thai boxing here. I mean, they practice kickboxing here, here and here. Okay. Like, let's, let's see, like, what are the commonalities? So I started going through it. And one of the personality types, which it's possible that you might have, I mean, you have all of them, but we have predominantly one. Um, it's an eight. Eight is the most intense number. They call it either the protector or the challenger. Okay. And, um, it's need. It, each personality type has a specific need. And the eight need is very, very specific. It's the need to go against. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can't do that. Oh really? <laughs> you know, it's like for sure. The little kid. That's that's it. Because that's what my wife called it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here we go again. Don't tell oh. me cannot do it because then it's gonna happen. You know, it's weird. You cannot get it. It's very hard for me to control that. Like also hitting it back. I, I see people jabbing a bag. That's no, I can't. I, I have to hit everything full power. Somehow, uh, you know, it's, I feel like such a loser if I would do that. And I, I don't maximize my time. You know, if I tap, I can do shadow boxing. You know, no, get tired. You know, get yourself into a fight that you, if you always go full power, then the fight's going to be very easy. I love it. Yeah. So how did you find yourself with the O2 trainer? Did you invent it? Yeah. So I came up with that idea when I was 14 years old. I was, like I said, a severe asthma patient, but I was a really good athlete, uh, track and field. I was going to be the next Bruce Jenner, believe it or not, the Dutch Bruce Jenner. Now but was, like uh, not Bruce Jenner now, Bruce Jenner. Bruce Jenner yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, decathlon, 
gold medalist in 1976, I believe it was. I mean, what a freaking, I mean, knowing 10 things at a high level, that was always intriguing to me. It was kind of a mixed martial arts, if you think already about it, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> and running, needless to say, with my asthma was always my worst subject, whatever you call it. And, and I realized that after asthma attack of a week, when I would resume my track and field, I would break my running times. And it blew my mind. I don't know why. I thought maybe it's the medication I'm taking, whatever it was. And, and then I went to the doctor, which I, I spent a lot of time at the doctor for breathing. They teach you how to breathe as a kid. And I saw a drawing of a pair of lungs on the wall. And uh, as a kid, well, as an adult, so you, you think the infection is in your lungs, but it's not. It's the airways that go through the lungs. Those are infected. The lungs are just two bags. And I saw a healthy airway and I saw an infected airway. And I go, I've been working out with resistance. My lungs, I thought at the time my lungs were doing the breathing for me because they've been pulling air in through that infected area. And I've been doing that for eight days straight, 24 seven a day. So then afterwards when it's open, now it's much easier for me to breathe. Oh, wow, I gotta come up with something that controls the air intake. So I started with like bowls and washers, you know, like a washer. I started putting those things in front of my teeth. I had to breathe through that washer, but it's needless to say, super dangerous. Because if it shoots in your lung, well, people go like, you're heimling it out. Not if it's in your lung. If it bypasses that little pipe that I was talking about, you're dead. There's nothing they can do. You know, that's why I tell people in class, the students, gum out. See what? I say, dude, you can literally die. Google it. See how many people die here from stop and stop because it shoots in the lungs. And once it's in the sack, it's done. You die there. You know, nobody can get it out. So it's dangerous. And uh, But I, why don't I make a thing like that? That's what was my idea. And then many years further, uh, Vandalay Silva was in the ultimate fighter. And he was trading his fighters with a snorkel device. And I, I knew what he was doing because they're rebreathing carbon dioxide and they can trigger the red blood, blood cell count. You know, I go this weird, and my, and my telephone went crazy. Well, I get three phone calls and a couple of text messages. They say, hey, dude, that thing you're always talking about, because I was always talking about my invention, the rootinizer. That was the original. <laughs> I love it. You got to make the rootinizer, dude. That is uh, it's a good idea. I look. Somebody's going to come up with it. He's doing it. I said, ah, it's not exactly, it's not the same what we're doing. I said, but yeah, you know, maybe I should look into it. I had some money at the time and I figured, you know, let's try it out. Then uh, I got the prototype. I trained three weeks with the prototype and my asthma was gone. And, and I was an asthma patient. Like I said, I, every single fight, I had to open my lungs in the dressing room all the time. If I sneeze violently three times, I have to open my lungs. So I would carry an inhaler with me everywhere in the world, always wherever I go, because you never know when it happens. Uh, completely gone. I sent it to a friend of mine in Holland. Eight days later, he called, he has asthma. He called me, he said, dude, I want to sell it. I go, why? It's gone. He says, my asthma is gone. Dude, we're going to something, you know? And that's how it started. And it took a long time to get off the floor because you know, it looks like a simple, I, I was just doing it. I was just doing my repetition. Yeah, I did mine earlier. I post 10 minutes before this interview, I posted. It looks stupid, but I always tell people, if you have a weight, you know, this is a, if you have a, a dumbbell and I show you, look at this thing. It's kind of stupid, right? Can't transform your body completely. Yeah, I needed them in different sizes though. That's the same thing with this thing. This is weight training for your lungs. Well, for the muscles responsible for your breathing. You know, you can also slow, get stronger and stronger, stronger. Looks very stupid, but it's super effective. And, you know, once I start catching on and Dr. Beliza, Vrenich, you know, she, she measured me, so some people put me in contact with her. I went to her first uh, on the Fifth Avenue in New York. She had a, a practice there. And the first thing she did was measuring my chest expansion from, from flaccid to 
expanding. And she looks and she goes, nah, do it again, do it again. And she did it again and she goes, okay, wait. And she runs out, comes back with another doctor and they go, what's going on? And she says, well, if I don't bring him, he's not going to believe it. So what do you mean? So well, normally when they break the record of expansion, it's like an eighth of an inch, maybe a quarter of an inch. You just broke one or two inches. So you've never seen anything like this. You know, like a, a six inch uh, chest expansion. That is, that's freaking A plus. That's unbelievable. And then we realize it's from the auto trainer because it trains the outer intercostal muscles, you know, all the muscles responsible for expanding. And boom, now she suddenly put it in her book. And then I got an, uh, an a pulmonologist and Alex is already posting on the website as well. Uh, the, the pulmonologist, he trains tens of thousands. This guy won six awards for being a pulmonologist. This guy's buying him for me. I mean, suddenly all these tricks start coming. Then I started contact with the, uh, with the fighter, uh, the fighter, the trainer from uh, four Olympic gold medalists. You know, um, he wrote a really bad uh, review about my competition. Um, so my, my lawyer called me and he said, Hey, uh, did you read the review? I said, well, what? He said, about, about that and that product. And I want to say it. And um, I said, no, but I, I bet you it sucked, right? I said, what do you mean? I said, well, how do you know that? I said, well, if you control the air in and out simultaneously, it's really bad. It doesn't do anything. He says, well, that's exactly what it says. I said, do me a favor. Find out who that wrote, who wrote that. And I, I'm going to send him a note to training. He goes, dude, you want to do that? What if he writes a bad review? I go, we're curing asthma right now. <laughs> it's not going to be a bad review. He calls the guy, guy picks up. He says, I'm representing Boss Food. The guy goes, oh, to trainer. He says, we already do that. And this guy trains four Olympic gold medalists. Very famous ones. You know, I promise not to mention it anymore, but I mean, proof is in the pudding. Now this guy suddenly backs me up with like nine or 12 published medical journals with what inspiratory muscle training, which is what this thing does, does for you. And boom, now it started falling together. The doctor got in there, Dr. Belize got in there, got in the book and now people do, oh shit, this really works. And, and now we're here. Cool. I love it. I love it. So turns out, according to Dr. Belize's measurements, that you're also, your diaphragm is also hung like a horse. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> it expands completely. <laughs> I, was, I was doing my breathing earlier. It's yeah. Good it's good stuff for sure. It's good stuff for sure. I, I had asthma as a kid also. And it took asthma, allergies, all all that shit. It it, it definitely uh, taught me how to be more resilient. Hundred percent. And for the people now who, who so they think also oh, it takes the allergy away. It doesn't do that. It doesn't take the allergy away. But mm -hmm. your your breathing becomes so strong, even when you wheeze, it'll pull straight through. So yeah, cannot do anything about an allergy. For sure. We we go into other things for allergies, you know holistic, essentially holistic wellness. I mean, for me, it was uh, cutting out uh, dairy, gluten, and sugar. Those yep. were the three really big ones. Uh, and mostly everything disappeared from there. Like the inflammation disappeared. I mean, essentially, it's all fucking inflammation in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, any disease is. Yep. And, and our body's lack of being able to deal with it. Yeah, to say when I was a kid, the whole house was plastic everywhere there were no carpets no nothing you know and uh, also dairy cutting out all pork meat all that kind of you know gone just not to get inflammation yeah same yeah. thing so what is next like what is next for you in terms of uh business life like what are some of the things that you're working on right now you know for me it's really it's really this now with the auto trainer. Now when I see 
what it's really doing to people. I just want more people to understand it because it's cheap. It will help you. But you know as well as I do. You know, if, you, if I say in a commercial, it takes four minutes a day, everybody does it for 10 days, and then suddenly, you know, four minutes becomes suddenly too much. You know, I go do it. If you're just an athlete, just do it before you go work out. Or, you know, just make it part of your routine. Like I've been doing it since 2018, May 2018, every day. I might have missed 40, 50 of them, but that's over two and a half years. You know, so it's just building a habit and just keep doing it. I believe that I actually, when people with asthma, if you buy one for for uh, for your asthma, you need to set me 30 uh, screen, uh, time lapses though of you doing the breathing exercise because people, otherwise they say, I did it 30 times. Yeah, I know people are not gonna do it. You sent me that's 30 and it doesn't cost you any power. You just hit your phone, look, make a video of yourself. You sent me 30 and your asthma is not 70 or 80% reduced or gone. I'll give you money back. So that's my commercial now that I tell people. So I wanted to be out there, help more people. I mean, back problems. You read it on the side. I never knew that. And then Dr. Bleed said, yeah, that's very normal because you're literally aligning your spine again if you breathe the correct way. Whatever, man. You see, and they keep stacking. PTSD, people with anxiety who are using it. I mean, the thing, it's almost a gift that keeps on giving. So now I'm super excited with it, what the future holds. And I just want everybody to try it. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. I mean, for me, breath in my, in my practice, I mean, breath has been the only thing that links the mind, the body and the spirit. It, it goes across all the platforms because you can alter and change states completely. Like for fighters, I mean, if you could control your breathing and you understand like how to breathe, this this changes the mechanics of it. So anything that you add on top of it is going to, I mean, fuck, focus, uh, energy, power. I mean, there's there's a reason why fighters breathe out when they're executing a technique. Yeah, every big thing becomes better. It's like butter on food. Yeah. <laughs> Everything becomes better with more oxygen. Yeah, but butter and sugar, bro. Those are the two. <laughs> yeah, just I mean, I, what people don't realize it's like you know you. It, the survival rule of three says the average human being can go three weeks without food, three days without water, three minutes without oxygen. And we all focus on what we eat, what we drink, and everybody forgets the number one priority in your body, which is oxygen. You don't believe that if you put new air filters on a cow, hey, it performs better. Guess what? Like on that video, you can see Dr. Alex Kovicin is uh, it's on the on a, the O2 bootcamp as well. And he's explaining about why people only breathe for the top. And then he shows a lung and then he says, the, uh, the lung, the part where the diseases are, are always at the top because everybody breathes only here. Nobody breathes long because it takes more pressure to open your lungs, like eight to 12 pounds of pressure to open below. Here's almost nothing. So everybody breathes, breathes the, the wrong way. But once you start breathing the correct way, you're using your entire lungs. You have way more oxygen, diseases go down, everything goes down. Just give yeah. your body more oxygen. Yeah, clearer thinking, diseases, uh, just feeling better, right? Like feeling better. Like humans deserve to fucking feel better. Right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and it's like, we're in a space right now where, I mean, uh, I, I think the numbers right now are 42.4% obesity rates in the country. Yeah. And the more obese you are, the worse your breathing is. So, you know, it's, there's something wrong with the whole, uh, uh, you know, you can't let get kids fail anymore in school, right? Everybody needs a participation medal. No, let them lose. Let them see, hey, you're, you're overweight. You need to work out because it's bad for you. 
you, you want your kid to, to, to die from old age, right? Not from a freaking heart attack. Put him to work. You know, those sitting home, stupid video games, they're eating the crap, or, you know, nobody cooks healthy anymore. It's bizarre. I mean, there's a pill for everything, for gaining weight, for losing weight, for, for heartburn, for, for high blood pressure, for cholesterol. For you know, I was doing this like six, seven years ago. It was so easy. And then I realized, dude, just clean up your life. And I cleaned up my life, and now I got nothing. You know, everything I had, high blood pressure, cholesterol, everything is normal. But just eating healthy and working out. Boom. We all have the capability of doing. No, we don't have time. Really? Wake up at five. So what I do, I create time. Yeah. I wake up very early, and the first three and a half hours are for me, you know, and for the spirits there. For sure. A hundred percent. But when you do take care of yourself, I mean, that is your connection with the spirit, right? Yep. <laughs> it really is. Like you said, like, you can't give what you don't have. So take care of yourself first, and then you can give to the world whatever your gift is, whatever God gave you the gift to give to the world. Yeah, that's why we're still spreading the love. Ray Ludwig is a very big guy like that, too. The, the bank system, and it's like the system we both did. Well, he developed it, but we incorporated my style and his style and all the switching. And he says, yeah, whatever you receive as a gift, you have to give as a gift. Right? That's the Bible right there. So let's spread it what we can. Yeah, I, I read somewhere it's like um, it's, it's a, it can only become yours if you give it away. Oh, that's a nice one. I like that. It only becomes yours when you give it away. Yep. So now, now that you're retired, now you're a businessman and a soon-to-be movie star. Uh, a movie star on the way. Hopefully. <laughs> I'm still amateur in that. Yeah. Every, I mean, everybody starts somewhere, right? 100%. Yeah. And you already have a look. You have a niche. Um I mean, whenever, whenever they need an MMA fighter or somebody that's a very dangerous human being, they know who to call. <laughs> the, the good thing is also I started act, taking acting classes. So thankfully, my, the, the reviews have been good to me. So that's the good part. I, I knew that it's, it's a profession. So literally, when I, in 97, I arrived here in America, within three weeks, I was taking acting lessons at the Beverly Hills Playhouse because I, I was still fighting, but I knew eventually I wanted to do something in the movies. When it was acting, stunts, or choreography, whatever it was. And uh, I think I better be ready because I think once you become a more known person, and you come out with a movie and imagine you're the lead, all eyes are going to be on you. And if you mess it up, that could right away be the end of your acting career. So just be ready. It's like I tell every fighter because it's, I, oh, he, he watched a lot of movies, uh, as somebody told me before he was act, acting. I go, wow. So he, did he do that? Did he watch a lot of Rocky movies before he started fighting or, or did he actually work out? They go, of course he worked out. I go, Exactly. That's what you should do. Get up in front of a stage in your acting class. You can see, oh, there's a tough boss. Look at it. Dude, you're nervous. You're really freaking nervous because you can't mess up the lines. You have to stick to the script. You don't want to mess it up. It's also because, well, I am who I am, you know, so there's more eyes on me and you feel there's more pressure. It's a nervous wrecking thing to do, you know. You better get used to it. I remember when I was fighting, I was, I, I rather fought then doing interviews. Interviews will make me so nervous. Now interviews are much easier. But you know, to stick to a certain text, they but you have to follow by the letter, you know, and interact and then pulling it off uh, looking natural, it's a very hard thing to do, to do it the correct way. So practice, practice, practice. Do that with everything you have. With, ev with everything in life, right? Yep. <laughs> everything. You can't expect to be good. 
Just time. Perfect practice also. Because people with practice makes perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. You know, like, but I, and you know, all these rules I did when I was fighting. When I was fighting, I would film myself every three or four weeks hitting the bag or whatever I was doing. And I would look at home if I was doing what I thought I was doing. And you never do what you thought you were doing. Trust me. It's good. Can be much better. Every time you can make it better. And that's what I tell people also. Do quality control on yourself. Just film yourself. You know, they don't need to know. Nobody needs to see the video. Just you. And just see if you actually are doing what you think you are doing. And then you're going to find out that you're not doing it. For sure. I've been working a lot with mirrors now um, for like instant quality control for, yeah. for some of my uh, movement stuff. And it's, it's such a, it's such a huge, like, it's such like we don't know we have no fucking we have no idea we have no idea like what our face even looks like yeah uh like one of my teachers says uh he says don't don't look concentrated be concentrated just don't look concentrated you don't have to look like this to be yeah, fucking yeah. concentrated yeah, yeah. But when i look in the mirror i'm like oh shit like, <laughs> like that is not the face i'm looking for yeah, this i'll tell you i started laughing right away because i have a friend of mine who won't tell who he is but it's hilarious and he goes, yeah. He said, you make the weirdest faces when you come, right? And I go, what the heck? How would you do? He says, oh, I filmed myself one time. <laughs> and I go, are you just, well, you, you never do that? I go, no, I never do that. <laughs> it's illegal. <laughs> it's the greatest thing I've ever heard. You want to see what he looks like. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, everybody's got different data points that they're measuring for, you know, some people are looking for a liver shot. Some people are trying to make a better face when they come. <laughs> I think that you, that you do know the, it's really good that what, what I, how I call this in my classes um, and as some fighters have a great control, like a fitter of a million has a really great control for Sakuraba, you know, and, a, and I was, Habib. I, I, I could have, but they, they, they were the top of the pyramid, but they're really good is have a poker face all the time. So even when you have a weight in your hand and it's getting really tired, don't do, just go. Don't use your facial muscles because your facial muscle, muscles, they, they make certain moves and that identifies what your brain, something is wrong. For instance, if you squeeze, most of the time it's an alarm bell, something's coming up. You know, you don't want it, you want a poker face. That's why with me, I have these punching moves. I put your face against the wall so you can't move backwards. And I'm going to hit you here in front of you. So I'm not going to hit you. I'm not going to, even if you don't block it, I'm still not going to connect. So to put you in a safe state. And then I would just want you to touch every every punch and push it to the side. And the block, the hooks, and the body shots. And the, you know. And then suddenly you start realizing, wait a minute, I can go. I go, pop, 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 pop. And they all block them. As soon as they start flinching, they lose control. And it's a whoop, back, take the speed back. Uh, what is it? Poker face. That's what I always call it but do it with everything that you do. You know, with weights, whatever you do, just have a poker face all the time because then you really are completely in, the, in control. You know, you don't let anything uh, sidetrack you for what you're doing. I love it. I love it. I, I think Korean Zombie was talking about himself practicing recently, um, like not blinking. Yeah. I mean, hopefully he's practicing more than just that, but but at least that skill is, it's an interesting skill. Uh, oh, I, I lose contacts many times in trading. And the reason I lose contact is because I would stay just outside the distance and I would move backwards and then and then you would throw that my eye were open because they would they would glue on the on the glove to my opponent. I go, whoa, stop. Uh, you pull one up again. 
you know, but, but that's, you see, that's because you still have your eyes open, even when you, uh, when you get hit, it is so important not to flinch. Interesting. That's a really interesting drill. So what does your life look like now? Like what time do you go to bed? What time do you wake up? What do you eat? What, what is, well, you told me what your training looked like. What, what do you do for leisure? I seen you smoking a cigar just now. So yeah, that's the only uh, free fights that I have. For the rest, I'm pretty good. Like alcohol toned way down, you know, maybe last year or something. I said, I don't do that. Uh, this is the oatmeal that I just had. I, every morning I start with that because it's clean. Do it with water, not with milk. You don't put honey in there a little bit. And I just take two cups. I take a lot. I always say the, 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 the beginning of the day is very important. Now it's, It starts with getting out of bed. This is where I do prayers and meditation and all that stuff that takes about an hour and 15 minutes. Then I stretch. I do it also while I run a meditation. Uh, uh, every day I stretch as well. Um, you know, yeah, reading, but that's all part of it. So let's say an hour, 45 minutes only focusing and only spend time with God and, and, and for myself and getting myself in the right state of mind. And then I, uh, I don't open a computer. I, I memorize things every day. I probably walk the dog and I have one paragraph. And then before I start walking the dog, uh, when I come back, I, I memorize that paragraph, you know, so just to keep my mind busy the whole time. I read a lot out loud. All these things, you know, I, I just steal from people that I really admire and see doing. Like, for instance, Mauro Ronello, really great commentator. You see him always reading. When he reads, it's always his mouth moving. You know, and I realized if you start doing that, it's really, it's, it helps you so much with your pronunciation about everything that you do. You know, plus it helps also to, to you know, to to do it correctly, to make everything 100%. I always try to not make any mistakes. You know, and little things like that. I'm doing, a, I, I do, whatever I do, I hit two verses with one stone. You know, like I said, I'm stretching and do meditation. I'm walking the dog and I remember, you know, I will never sit down. If I can, if I can put it together, I always put it together. I like to save time. Then I have the whole day. I work out. I try to work out to do one conditioning workout. And the next day I try to do a, a, a power training workout. Although I have to say maybe one maximum twice conditioning workouts a day, uh, a week. But that comes also because my cable routine is, it's high conditioning. I consider it conditioning because I'll go. I mean, people see me, you, you can't ask me questions in between. There will be not one second that I'm not doing anything. It goes one in the other, constantly. Um, home eating clean, you know, most of the time it's simply potatoes, potatoes with vegetables, you know, if I eat meat, there's not a lot of, I don't use a lot of salt anymore, not on the potatoes or anything, I don't put any salt actually. On the meat I might, because I may make it more nice. You know, during the day, it's just work and preparation. You know, I do public speaking. I do other things, you know, and, and preparing for for now I'm going to uh, do an, a, a course about uh, striking. That's probably going to be this weekend if my freaking injury is over. So I'm preparing for that. You know, what is the most important thing for me to bring out there? Because my style is completely different than other fighters. You know, I'm wide open in front of you. But that opens the doors to so many things. And I want people to see that. Because once they realize, everybody's going to fight like are you doing it with uh, dynamic striking? Yes, that's the one I'm doing it with. They've got some great stuff so far. Incredible. Yeah, yeah, those are the guys. And uh, I said, but I, I wrote today an email. I said, I don't know how my freaking groin is holding up. I mean, it looks, everything is black, like black. My whole, the whole private parts are completely black and swollen. You know, it looks, my wife's like, what the heck is that? I go, yeah, it's really weird. So I hope it's going to be okay. I have a very cool pool here. And this morning, I'm already sitting in for 15 minutes. It's like 48 or 46. 
So that's great to, to cool it down. I'm just going to do it a whole bunch of times today, see if that's going to help me. And anyway, in the evening I teach many times. I go to the gym, you know, say hi to everybody. I do that. Um, business meeting here, business meeting there. Most of the time, it's something for the auto trainer for a lot of things that we're working on. And then uh, social media, I want to be involved. I post the, the breathing. I do it every day on the Facebook page and I start uh, answering uh, questions on that page as well. And in the evening, I have the same routine. I do like an examination of conscience, which is like you, you go over your day and you, you know, if there were things that you didn't like, you're going to see how you can uh, make those better the next time. And then also even go over the things that you did like, you know, because many times, can I make it better? You know, and if you can't make it better, why wouldn't you make it better? I always say, if you can't make something perfect, why wouldn't you make it perfect? You know, that's why I'm very easy with time. You know, 12 o'clock is 12 o'clock. It's not 12 or 1. It's not 12 or 10 seconds later. I'll be there before, trust me. You know, and I want you to be there as well. That's very number one rule in my, I train you, you come late, you give you one more chance. <laughs> and that's it. I'm very easy with that. I'm on time. You're going to be on time. Yeah, but I live far away. Guess what? Leave early. It's what I do. If I can make it, you can make it. It's very simple. So, and that's what I do. I wrap up the, the evening that way and uh, throw a few prayers out to my favorite saints out there who help me. For one of them, Saint Sebastian, of course, because that's where my name comes from. Who was a, and uh, the Roman Empire was the, the commander in the Roman Empire. He was a badass. He's the only saint actually who got martyred twice, you know, because they killed him, shot him full with arrows. And then uh, he survived that. Somebody nursed him back. I read of Rome was this woman who nursed him back. And then he went back to that, to the Caesar they had at the time. And he started, at this time, they made sure he, he, he was not going to survive it. You know, so they clubbed him to death. But the guy was a badass. So, uh, See, uh, we, we all need protection. And I like to ask protection from guys like that who are way tougher than uh, we think we are. I saw this movie, uh, the, um, Sounds of Freedom, with Jim Caviezel. It's a movie that's going to come out. It's going to come out child trafficking. And it is sickening to your stomach. You know, it's like, uh, it, it's not it's not vivid, but it, it, will, it will turn your stomach. If you, you know what's going on. But you have no clue in what degree it's going on. It's like really freaking bad. Millions of kids are doing that. And this is a guy, Tim Beller, that he plays the guy. Tim I, I'm very familiar with them. Dude, I mean, he goes into the Amazon, the worst criminals ever, by himself. Dude, you always think that I'm a tough guy, but that could, look at that, that's the guy, you know? That's a real, that's a Rambo, but then for real. You see, so my head goes out to all these guys, the seals, the range, the any military. You know, such incredible guy. The police, you know, all the bad crap that they're getting right now. What for one or two percent is bad, and then everybody, well, let's make them all bad. It's unbelievable, but you know, that's that's how people are nowadays, right? They only look at the negative. Everything is negative. Oh, you got 60 great comments on Twitter, but one negative, boom, all the attention goes to that one freaking guy. It's a guy. Someone's opinion over you is not reality. That's what I always say. Let it go. It's a guy. Who knows who he is? You know, and what? So if you, that means that if you get 80 bad ones and one good one, you're going to focus on the good one? No. Focus on the, it's always the bad, the bad, the bad. And people need to get out of that crap. You know, and they need to see that. Wait a minute. Like 98% of all these guys are actually running into buildings, you know, went into 9-11, running into buildings to, to save people. These, all these people are against them now. They're kind of, to me, they're pissing on their graves, you know, and I get, infuriates me, infuriates me, especially for the, for the family members and everybody around them. It's amazing that people can be that dark, you know, wishing people death. I wish he was there to go to. 
Don't even throw it out in the universe. That's a bad thing to do. That's a that's a hard boomerang when it comes back. Yep. That's a hard fucking boomerang when it comes back, man. Yeah. Uh, the the underground railroad guy. So I have an academy in Costa Rica too. I have an academy academy in Tamarindo. It's a nonprofit, so we only work with like kids that were. I mean, we work with all kids, but our predominant market is kids that were like abused, raped, whatever. And um, I started seeing some activity, bro, like some some trafficking activity, you know. And so we got in touch with Underground Railroad, and they sent two pa- two people down to the academy, and they stayed with me. And they shared some of these stories. Uh, and it was like, fuck, am I even in the right profession? Should I just be out killing these humans? Like, right. I mean, it, it's a really like hard thing to, to like, to like swallow, you know, yeah, that that's like not doing anything. That's the worst. <clears throat> yeah. Those guys are heroes. You know, that's scary. Very scary. Yeah. But you know, yeah. people need to know, I hope, you know, when it comes out, people are going to watch that thing because then they see what really goes on. In the world, and it's up to all the petty cakes, you know. Everything is nice and then It's not like that. There's a lot of evil out there. Really yeah. Not evil. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I always think about is like, because uh, that's like a symptom. It's a symptom of a bigger issue. And one of the things that always comes to me as the big issue is is it's not like it's not the external superficial stuff. It's that we don't have community and we don't have elders. Yeah. If we had elders that were like, no, like this, like somebody to take care of you, somebody to mentor you. We don't have mentors. We don't have elders. Like our elders have been working nine to five jobs and they didn't gain a lot of that life wisdom through those jobs because they didn't get to live life. Just because somebody's older doesn't mean they're wiser. <laughs> that's, that's a no, huge misconception, you know? It's a shame, man. It's a shame. It's all the people are keeping their two jobs, you know, and that bring the kids to... Uh... Some plays and I pick them up later. I go there. Why? Why would you get kids? You know, let, let one stay home. I, my wife stopped working. She was there all day long. And once the kids are going to school, hey, there we go again. Then you can, you know, it's just a few years. And say, yeah, but it's important. No, there's nothing more important than raising a kid. You can't tell me there's nothing more. There's something more important. There's not. That's the most important thing, you know. And do it well. And once you do it well, well, then the kid turns up well. That's how it goes. All right. So we're gonna. I have this portion. It's called the imagination portion. Um, so whatever comes to you first, you can just throw that answer out. Oh, that's the dangerous one with me. <laughs> no, but, that, but that's my favorite. It's my, it's it. That's why it's my favorite because it's um, it's just you, right? At this moment, I, I see it as a postcard from this timestamp of like December eighth, two thousand twenty, Boss Rutten. Romza, like this is the moment. Boom, postcard, sending it out to the future. If you weren't an a fighter and an entrepreneur, actor, I mean, you're a lot of things, so it's hard. What would you have been? I really would. I always thought DJ. I'm 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 a chef, also a French culinary chef. I went to culinary school. So, but I I always was really attracted to music or video editing. I think I could be really good with that as well. I can see those things I see, and I really like to make something interesting. So, yeah, what are those things? Video editing or, 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 or DJ. I love it. What is one thing you would love to upload into the minds of everyone in the world? Upload. Make your own decisions. Don't listen to other people and don't make decisions based on what other people say. 
base it on your own research. And then you're going to find out there's a whole different world because we all sheep, we all follow whoever we look up for too. And, 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 and once we do that, it goes wrong because you don't know anybody. If it's your family member, you know very close and you're very close friends, but for real, you don't really know anybody. I mean, the, 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 the Simi Valley rapist, he was living in a house with friends of mine. They made fun of him. He came home late every night. They said, and he was such an introvert guy. Oh, you're going to see he's, he's the Simi Valley rapist, they said. You know, and it wasn't. It was the guy. So you don't know who somebody is. Don't think that an actor, when he says something that is, and stop glorifying that. Stop glorifying athletes. Stop glorifying. Glorify people who deserve it. Military, firefighters, people who work in hospitals who don't do those things. Stop working on that. You know, what? The guy can memorize lines. He's good. Or the guy can kick ass. Now he's the man. Come on, guys. Yeah, it's cool. But it's, don't make him put him on a pedestal or a musician or whatever it is. You know, props to people who deserve it. Don't worship false idols. Oh, there you go. That's, That's it, right? One. Also, I one fucking love it. One in the Bible, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they talked about it 2,000 years ago, you know? Yep. So it's like, it's the same fucking conversation. It's the same. Nothing changed. Nothing. We all think it's, no, it didn't change. Yeah. Oh, it was there already before. Trust me. Same crap. What is one book that you find yourself recommending to people over and over? The Alchemist. The Alchemist. I love it. Paul Aquino, yeah. That one. And then I did another book later because Matthew McConaughey, but I really, to me, he looks like a guy I could be very friends with because, you know, he's an actor. Yes, I understand that. But I think once, once he shines through, he's, that's the real person he is. I'm hoping I'm right. And he's, he was talking about a book that changed his life when he was 20. And I picked that up in 2013, I remember. And it was uh, The uh, Greatest Salesman in the World from Oak Mandino. And it takes you 10 months to read that book. And you go, what? Yeah, but it's only this thing. And it's about this guy, the greatest salesman in the world, who's looking for an apprentice because he knows he's going to pass away soon. And he finds this one kid and he gives him these, this big uh, chest, uh, uh, what is it, chest or uh, uh, whatever it is, what, 10 scrolls in, in something. <laughs> I can't find the name. Treasury chest. Yeah, that's the name, right? It's a chest. Treasure chest. Yeah, that's it. And there's 10 scrolls in there. And he has to take a scroll out, uh, one scroll a month. And he has to read what's on the scroll in the morning when he wakes up first thing. During the day, he finds a quiet place. And in the evening, just before you go to sleep, you read it again. And these things that you read are about four or five minutes long. So it takes 15 minutes a day. And I figured, you know what? I'm going to do these things. Let's see what it brings. It's 10 months. Yeah, but shit. Why not? So when I start doing that, many of these things you know, but you don't practice them anymore. You know, so looking for signs, looking for uh, for something, but they program it to you. What you do, if you four or five minutes, you read in the morning and in the, in the middle of the day and in the evening, soon, like two weeks in, you memorize the whole thing. You're reading and you realize, wait a minute, it's already programmed. You see, it's a really tricky way to get inside your mind. And now hopefully you're going to stop paying attention, more attention to it. And then, you know, month is over, you go to the next call. And that's why it takes 10 months. So because otherwise the book you can read literally in two hours, <laughs> you know. But because of the 10 scrolls, it takes a long time. And I just did it. I figured to do it. And I was very happy that I did it. Because some things, yeah, I didn't know. But I, 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 I was preaching, but I was not doing it. To know and not to do is not to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. If you were a food, if you were a food, what kind of food would you be? <laughs> oh, that's a hard one. <clears throat> 
Yeah, probably just a really good steak. And because, you know, it's good to have, but you don't want to have too much of it because that could be dangerous for your body, for your physical. And I'm not meaning that, but it's like, like my wife, she has to really tone me down like before we go to people like don't because somehow I'm really, I believe that, oh, they want to hear me talking, they want to hear me talking. I have to constantly pull back. I guess shut the hell up. That's what's going on. You know, and I can really hold myself back. So too much boss is not fun. You know, my wife's been through it for 28 years. <laughs> so she managed. She's a saint. Let me tell you that. <clears throat> if you were an animal, what kind of animal would you be? Oh, yeah. We all want to say the honey badger, right? <laughs> <laughs> honey badger don't give a fuck, right? <laughs> <laughs> you don't care. You know, like those guys. <clears throat> but, you know, let's be honest. Let's be honest. You no, know, I, I would think like probably a wolf. That could be really good, but a very smart. I would be a smart animal, but still a badass. You know, a, a bear. A bear is like a freaking animal. So, oh, that's a hard one. Oh, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. In the early days, I would always have a, a bird because I would just love flying. I always had birds when I was a kid. Those were my friends, you know. I had a bird and like an, uh, a jackdaw, jackdaw, they call it here. A cow, they call it in Holland. It's like a, it's like a, uh, a big rave, you know, but then a, a smaller version. And he was, I, you know, I had when he was a little oh, baby. Oh, crow, crow. Like a crow, yeah. But then That's a little smart. version. Uh, he would pick me up from school. He would know what, uh, what room I was in and everything. He would sit in front of me and he starts yelling at me. He would always sit with me, you know, and he left me, left me one day. And I figured out, I figured I probably had a friend or a partner, found a partner. And I was, I was heartbroken because it was the only friend I had. Uh, and, and like a week later, I heard, I heard him behind me. And we had a big backyard and there was another yard there with another house. And he was sitting on the rooftop from the other house with the partner. And I had a balcony in front of my room. The window opened and it was a balcony. And I call him, I go, that was my sound I made to him. And right away he comes over and he sits to me on the balcony. And he literally, I swear to God, bro, he goes, he's like talking for like two minutes. And that was it. Hey, boss, I'm going. Thank you very much for everything I had. Fastway. I swear to God that they would feel like a goosebumps now. They would literally hop around. They both look back at me. I'm not kidding. And then they flew off into the sunset. It was a freaking movie script. Wow. And this really happened, you know. And that was one of the coolest moments I ever had. So I always wanted to be flying, you know, that was my thing. I was this big uh, Spider-Man fan, a Wolverine, you know? So uh, wow. because, yeah, those were the guys who also got bullied. Well, at least Spider-Man. What an incredible lesson there to know when it's time to leave. Yeah, it's hard also, it's very hard because I was a little uh, egocentric, you know, if, if I could have kept him, I would have kept him, you know, but I think once I would see the partner, I would go, you know, what's it. I, I'm such a guy. Uh, how do you call these animals? These, the animals that come here. Oh, what's the name? They're not the smartest animals, but they're like a nose to the front. They, they, oh, um, possum. A possum. And, and no, anteater. No, 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 a possum. My wife says an anteater, which is also <laughs> very <good>. cool. Yeah. <laughs> So we had a possum here. And if I would meditate in the evening, he would run behind me, it would freak me out, right? I went there, I growl at him, and he goes, screaming, and he runs away, you know? And I go like, shit, this animal is freaking me out. You know, I'm gonna get a cage. So I get a cage, and I get him, and I put uh, food in there. 
And what do you know? Like three days later, I have the possum. And it's a big fella, you know, and he sits in there. So I'm sitting, I say, oh, I got him. You know, I'm going to put him in the car. We're going to put him white, so put him in nature somewhere. But at the moment that I did that, I heard another possum here. And I go, oh, no. He has a partner. Well, so I let him free again because I felt so bad. Well, these animals are so dumb, and they really are. I mean, it's just... I mean, the, the, it was open. It was opening like this. Right? It was open for a day and a half, and he still didn't realize that he could simply walk out. It was a complete open. But then finally, thankfully, he got out. So that's that's how much of a tough guy I am. I had to, I had to let him free again because I felt bad for the other one. I feel like the top, like the truly toughest guys are the kindest, bro. I they should. They should be. That, yep. that because that's your that's your path. Like if. If you can kill with your hands, you should be kind. Yep. Because that was, that was the gift you were given. Yep. Yep. Good one. All right. So this one is, take it as you want it, right? You're dying. Like you just got the message, you're dying. What is your last meal? Oh, my last meal would be with the family, because I enjoy that the most, is uh, fondue. 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 I will do probably because then it's the last meal. We do the cheese fondue as well on the top. But normally we have it on this table when I'm sitting outside and we invite the, the daughters with the boyfriends. And it is fun. It's all little pieces of meat that you fry in the oil, right? And with all different kinds of sauces. And I just, when I do that, I eat the most. I keep eating. I can't, I'm eating after two hours still. I, I think it's so good. You know, I make a little better for the vegetables. You put it in and then you fry that. It is so. I start drooling right now. That's how good it is. So yeah, I, I, that will be my last meal for sure. <laughs> I love it. What is what is your last experience? Like you can share it with whoever you want. It could be as long as you want, but your last experience. My last experience. Well, my last experience was my. Uh, that was my groin. No, no, no. Your last experience. If you're dying. Oh, hopefully that's not your last experience. The groin. Oh, no. <laughs> When I thought I would die? Yeah, like like you just got the news. This is hypothetical. Yeah. Kind of real too, right? Because we're all dying. We're, we're born in the grave. So. Oh, what I would do then as the last experience. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, good, good. I'm completely missing. Mis- mis- I said fun. Um, I would, uh, if there was time, you know, I would go like, we always had a great time in Hawaii, relaxing in Maui or something, you know, like something with the family. That's for sure. You know, and nature that's 100 so it wouldn't be sitting inside watching movies i can tell you that it would all be spent with the ones that you love you know and then hopefully my grandson and everybody can be here at the same time and uh, i'll force them <laughs> so yeah that will be my experience yeah for sure your last piece of advice for the next generation Exactly what I just said. You make your own decisions. I think this is very important for people because they just believe what other people tell them. And it's very sad. It's like when you, and I, I used to do this. And once I get back to the church, I really, because I have really good people who, who actually talk to you about it we, we, because we all do it. You know, if your friend comes to you and he has a story about another person and he tells, oh, this guy did this and this to me, you always believe your friend. That's what we train to do. I don't do that anymore. Yes, I want to believe him, but I'm going to have to hear it from him as well because I'm not going to make a decision based on just your word. I'm not going to do that. You know, so I want both parties. And that's what I think people should do. Don't believe a person telling you something. No, see if it's really true. 
before you start making a fool out of yourself. Because you see this now also with uh, with politics, even you know, they're screaming, 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 screaming. I go like, dude, it's it's not a lie. You're actually stupid right now. So, and that's the dumbest thing, you know. Make sure you know the truth before you say something. That's a that's a big one with me. No matter how thin you slice it, there's always two sides. Always. There's always, you know, and it's still difficult, yeah. But it's what I did when I was a bouncer. You know, from the 10 situations, maybe one time I would fight because the rest, I'm just good with people. I will break it down. What happened? Oh, he looked at my wife. Really? Did he touch you? No. Did he, did he talk to her? I used to... That's a compliment. I mean, that means that she's pretty good looking. Then, right? He didn't touch. He didn't bother. And now you want to fight this guy? And they go, yeah, yeah, that's kind of stupid. Exactly. What do you drink? You drink. Hope you give beer. Shake hands, guy. And the guys were good again. It's just explaining the situation. And that's what I tell my uh, my, uh, my my kids also. I said people only go as far as you let them. You know. So you decide that if you you come into a new place and somebody's bullying you, you have to immediately say, hey, dude, you got to stop with this shit. It's not going to happen. You know, he needs to know immediately that you're not the person to do that to. You know, because if you allow it, it's going to be harder to do the next day and the next time. And now it's a circle. And now he's got you. You know, and then what happens, especially if a guy like me, and I used to do that, oh, I take it, I'll take it, I'll take it, and boom. Then suddenly the evil boss comes out. And then suddenly I'm the aggressive, you know, because I'll throw him up against the wall. I go, and instead of me first time saying, listen, dude, don't do that, <laughs> you see? So don't let it boil in there, man. Hate is a very thing. Being angry, like really angry, should be less than five times a year entire life. But then only in a situation that something happens to your family where you have to go full on. You know, for the rest, there is no reason for you to lose your cool. Which I'm saying, but I'm, you know, I have it once every year and a half now. Then I have an explosion and I can be sick of that for five days. That I could not control myself. Just like hitting a table or something really hard. I go, what I'm freaking five years old, I'm hitting a table. Who does that? They'll break in your hand while you're doing it. Wow, that's like a little kid does that. You know, why? Just say no before, you know, but you try to please people and be nice. And then people take advantage of it. That's how they go. They only go as far as you let them, you see? So live by the rule. Prevention is a lot easier and takes a lot less energy than fixing it. That's what we do. Like I, I just came out with uh, my buddy Amir Perez. He's a very good uh, self-defense instructor. We did the seven skills to save your life. And the first skill is situational awareness. Because if you go in military and in law enforcement, everywhere in the world, you know, they're protecting against terrorists, 80% is already taken away just with situational awareness. Be aware of what you do. If you come out and you look around, five seconds, just five, 10 seconds, you know, it's a much safer place for you. You know exactly what's going on, but we're all programmed, they're all doing the stupid Here, stuff. here, yeah, yeah, exactly, here. Like, are you kidding me? Here, like okay, somebody's going like to that. kill you. Then they're at the car, the women go looking for the keys, they go, oh, you should have had those in your hand, you know? And where do you park the car? You know, it's dark when you come back. Yeah, maybe it is not a good spot there. Maybe you should put it there. I go under the lighting. You know, like it, just common sense. Foresight. Common sense and foresight. Yeah. But that's another thing, right? Is like um, a lot of people grow up without fathers now. So yep. they don't like, and, and maybe their fathers didn't have fathers if they do have a father or their fathers were not exposed to violence early on. Yep. Which is a blessing too, because <laughs> like being exposed to violence, you learn how to deal with it. Yep. And you learn what to watch out for. You learn the body language. Like street street intelligence is a totally different intelligence. You can't you can't read it in a book. Oh, I have a friend of mine who didn't finish school. He was uh, he was selling drugs. It wasn't all, but he was probably the number two guy in, in Europe. 
you know, driving for our test process when he was 21 years old, super street smart, super street smart, but could write a book. But yeah, very smart man, best way, of course, because the lifestyle is not very healthy. Tombstone, your tombstone. I don't know if you want to be buried or burnt. What is the line that you want? Here lies Bass Rutten, the line. Uh, that's a hard one. I never thought of that. I don't know. Lying here, hopefully still in your heart, something like that. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> I fucking love it. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, and otherwise, the last one, you know, if like, <laughs> this would be about. I believe in two eyes for an eye, you know, because it's such a big line for my for my street fighting DVD. I don't believe in an eye for an eye. I believe in two eyes for an eye. People go, oh, that's funny, you know? I would that just do for fun. <laughs> I love it. I mean, if we're not having fun, what's the point, right? Exactly. What's People the go, point? when they read it, yeah, they, they, they leave the tombstone and start laughing. Yeah, see? So that could probably be the one. I believe I in love two it. eyes for an eye. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. All right, brother. Um, We've, we've covered a lot. We've went through a lot. Is there anything that you'd like to share with the audience that we didn't cover? No, just uh, again, like this is what I said, is all my, my talks when I do with people, you know, with kids, you know, just uh, start creating good habits. I always say habits, everything in my life is it's about creating habits. If you have a bad habit, you have to switch to the good, into a, make it into a good habit. You cannot you cannot throw it away and no, you got to get that bad one and make it good because then it checks. How e it is very easy to acquire a habit, but as easy as it is to acquire one, it's that easy to lose it again. You know, I use an example where we go to, I talk to these kids, uh, like 500 kids every year, we go to uh, to college or work. And um, what to expect, I said, well, everything's about habit. I started, I said, woke up this morning, and hit the alarm the snooze button and 10 minutes later hit the snooze button hit, it did like five six times and you'll be amazed it's like over 90 percent of the hands go up everybody does it i said that's a bad habit i said you can bring that habit like within a week easy i said tonight before you go to sleep you tell yourself you put the clock first of all 50 minutes later because now you can sleep better that's going to be much better and you force yourself you tell yourself if the, the bell goes i get out of bed you just sit up and you walk out it's going to be hard the first two three five times maybe but in a week it's normal no, you broke that habit, you know, and you can do this with everything. I tell them, you know, and the body is an amazing thing. You can do this with your brain. You can do this. I mean, everything that you put in your body, the more you work it, the harder it becomes, the stronger it becomes. Your muscles, you're breaking them down. That's what you're doing. And then you give them protein and they go back stronger. Whoa, wait, wait a minute. Yeah, your bone breaks. Well, if you set that right in the same spot and you let it heal the, the way it should be, it will never break at that spot again. It's actually stronger than it's everywhere else. You see, and everything in the, in the body you can train like that. And it's just recognizing and doing it. And forget the stupid pills, you know, train yourself. We are all programmed to heal ourselves. So heal yourself, get healthy. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining me. Us, I appreciate it so, so much. Maybe in 2021, we can figure out a way to, uh, to get together and uh, do some cool stuff. I definitely yeah. have some love to with your crazy climbing i saw <laughs> i mean it's everything i'm uh, i i realized that i when i got injured really bad i had four herniated discs two torn rotators tore like i mean at 130 pounds in a jiu-jitsu academy it's like 
it's yeah. not very friendly. Yeah. Um, yeah. In New York, it's just like it wasn't friendly. And I lost jujitsu and I got to a point where I was suicidal. I didn't have any, like, I thought that was the only thing that I had. So yeah. I had to rebuild myself by learning all these new skills. And then I was like, oh, like, there's more to life than just one thing. Like, I can do everything that I want. And, um, you know, like, if I lose my leg, God forbid, like, I'll still have a practice. Yep. You know, like, as long as I'm still alive, I can still practice something. <laughs> I, same thing here, man. You know, you, you get full, you fall for that. You know, like, when I had the next surgery, I lost all power in my arm. You know, I was very scared. I couldn't pull the trigger from a gun. I could, I could, I could snap my fingers. I, I could eat chopsticks. I, I was gone. You know, and so going, I always tell people, you have to understand. I used to do nine one on pull ups, and going from that suddenly to not be able to grab a bottle of milk out of the fridge, that's very scary. But you know, once I got my hand back, you know, yes, it's way less power, but I got my hand back. Trust me, I'm very happy. I got. I'm happy. I will stop complaining now. Thank you. That's it. That's what we should do. You look at Nick Newell, the guy with the half an arm. He's got the or congenital amputee. Yeah. Look what he's doing in the sport. It's amazing. incredible. Freaking guy. Incredible. incredible. What a thing. Now complaining because oh my head wasn't working. See, that's what I mean. We uh, count your blessings, buddy. Gratitude. Thank you. Us. Thank you, brother. Us. Hey guys, thanks for listening to our deepest fear. Today's episode was incredible. Bass Rutten is a really interesting character and I'm really grateful to have him on the show as he's a pioneer in many things, including the sport that many of my listeners, including myself, grew up watching. So thank you for listening. Remember to hit subscribe. Remember to share this with a friend. And I have an offering coming up soon where I'm going to be coaching and teaching holistic wellness that sounds interesting to you reach out to me on social at romza and we'll see if it's a good fit for what you are looking for in your life i love you my friends and i can't wait to see you in the next episode Thank you for listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast. If you resonate with our message, please show us some love by hitting the subscribe button and giving us a like. You can also visit our website at www.romza.com to continue your journey of self-discovery and keep up with our latest offerings. With love and harmony from all of us at the Alchemy of Self podcast.